0: Because those who love Jesus should love his word, because Christ is the living embodiment of the word. Don't pontificate
1: on Mm. stuff that you don't understand.
0: You're listening to 1A, a ministry of First Presbyterian Church, episode 30. Welcome back to our third series, Confessional Life where Derek and I discuss some of the basics of the Westminster Standards and what it means to live it out. I'm Josh Squires, the Minister of Counseling and Congregational Care here at First Press. 1A is a podcast designed to take a brief but in-depth look at counseling issues from a pastoral perspective. If this is your first time listening to us, we want to welcome you. We appreciate you taking the time to check us out. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. For more information, you can visit our webpage, which is firstprescolumbiaorg forward slash 1A. That's firstprezcolumbia.org forward slash 1A. To find out how to contact us or how to subscribe, listen to the end of the show. If you do find this ministry useful, then subscribe using the application of your choice. And every Monday, a new episode will be waiting for you. Also, while you're there, leave us some comments. As we increase the number of reviews and comments, it becomes easier for others to find our podcast. This is the second of two episodes on Scripture. If you missed the first one, you can find it on our website. In this episode, I discuss what I would say to someone who isn't getting a lot out of Scripture. Derek talks about the danger of professionalism and the return of our segment, Orthodox or Not. Now, let's get to our show.
1: You're a counselor, and you've got Joe in the office, and he says, you know, I just don't get anything out of the Bible anymore, Mm. you know. I, I, I get more from hanging out with my buddies, drinking coffee, having a beer with my buddies.
0: You know, what do you say? Well, I would say that you are not just a body with a soul. You are a soul with a body and that God's word is nourishment to that very soul. Um, and there are times when in our affect, we may not have you know, these sort of aha moments, and it may not be electric, but you continue to do um, what the Lord tells you is good and right for your soul. So you continue to read the Word of God. And then I think there are questions of well, what exactly are you expecting out of Scripture when you read it? Are you using it, like you said, like a promise box? Am I, am I flipping through the Bible and, you know, you put your finger on one scripture and what does that mean? That's my daily piece of scripture. Or are you looking at it in the grand narrative that is, uh, declaring God's glory as we experience Jesus Christ? Um, and so I would, I would want people to help me unpack and understand what exactly they mean by they haven't been getting much out of the Bible. Every once in a while, I'll encounter somebody, uh, especially now that we're located so close to a college, I'll encounter somebody who has actually begun to take their Bible study more seriously, and they're going through a period where it just feels more dry. Um, and here, I was really helped by D.A. Carson. Um, D.A. Carson has this little book. Uh, of, of all things, it's like exegetical fallacies is, I think, the name of it. They, you could not have... A title of a book that was less approachable than exegetical fallacies. Um, but in his intro, he talks about this idea of distanciation. That when people really get serious about Bible study, they begin to see the Bible for what it is. A group of, of letters written to an original population by an original author with original intent to those people. Uh, written in an original language that is sometimes hard to translate, um, that can uh, be difficult to understand in context and to apply. And it loses some of the my name comma in front of every verse. And so people will come to D.A. Carson and say, is there any way around this? Can we, Can we get around going through this sort of dry valley of scriptural intake? And he says, no, there's actually not a way to get around it. But that's not the end of your scriptural intake. It's the beginning of your scriptural intake. Actually understanding where these scriptures come from, their genre, the author, the time, the setting, the location, now becomes the foundation upon which even richer scriptural study can come forward. So for me, for if someone is coming to me and saying, hey, this is happening to me because I'm trying to be better about scriptural study, then I want to just encourage them keep using this keep doing your habits keep keep learning about what scripture is and trying to apply it there will be a time when you get to the other side if instead someone's just saying yeah I you know I'm just not much for the Bible right now in this season of life it's not given me very much then I think that's actually a window to some deeper, uh, soul issues, not just about Bible intake, but okay, where are you with Jesus? And we probably need to talk about that because those who love Jesus should love His Word because Christ is the living embodiment of the Word.
1: Yes, that's very good. That's a really good answer. I I think for me, just speaking personally, you know, my my problem is professionalism. Hmm you know people like you and me we, we handle the bible all the time every every day several times a day we 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 are preparing bible lessons sunday school lessons mm-hmm. sermons addresses homilies you know whatever yeah. and and after a while you know i, I and let me just speak about myself here i prepare 5 or 6 sermons messages bible studies a week mm. On average right and if I do a conference then there's two or three more so you know some weeks there are seven eight addresses that that take me to the scripture Mm. but you you I sometimes think at the end of it I'm I'm just a I'm just a sermon machine I'm just Mm. a Bible study machine Mm. and and it can become professional Mm. you know when you're doing it for 40 years you, you know how to do it right and you know the, the sources and you know where to go to find out the meaning of the text and so on. And, yeah. and, and you have some skills in sort of rearranging the text so it looks like a meal and it's got some order and structure yeah. and right. it's appetizing and throw in a few illustrations and so, so on. Yeah. But your soul can be a million miles away. Mm. Um, so I, I, I have this, deliberate thing of preaching the text to myself hmm. Hmm. you know I, I don't do this uh, you know there are there are uh, those who say um, you know before preparing a Bible study you know read the text 50 times well I don't know anybody right. who actually does that and then right. you know there may have been some puritan somewhere who actually did that but right. um, I remember Mickey Schneider I, I say that as though he's dead he's still alive and, and the off chance that Mickey might be listening to this mm. um, but he had this phenomenal absolutely phenomenal capacity for memorization and mm. he would quote in the pulpit every Sunday an entire chapter of scripture wow it was phenomenal never seen anyone do that before or since mm. and uh, there's, there's no way I could do that Mm. Uh, I wish I could, but but he had ob- obviously spent a great deal of time in the Scripture, not just in books about the Scripture, mm. and, and that's my problem. Mm. You know, sometimes, sometimes i I have more of a relationship with the commentary mm. than I actually do with the text, and that's that's I know that's a terrible mm. place to, to find oneself in. Mm. Uh, and, and those of you who, who prepare sermons and Bible studies and, and so on, uh, you know, probably have ventured there somewhere. Mm. Mm. Um, and so every now and then I have to have a kind of fact check. Mm. F- fact. Not a fat check. And <laughs> <laughs> we need those too. Either. Uh, the, a fact. I was I was watching the debate last night. So oh, right, yes. fact, fact, checkings. fact fact checkings. Yeah, um, but but every now and then we need to we need to ask ourselves the question: What is my relationship
0: to scripture?
1: Hmm.
0: We're going to continue with our segment, uh, Orthodox or not. Uh, we've actually gotten some good feedback from people about this segment, so we're going to, going to continue. If anyone out there who is listening has a statement they'd like us to evaluate, please send it to us. We'd like to like to hear it. So here's our statement for this week, um, and it's really kind of two. Uh, you hear this often, especially when it comes to Bible studies, uh, where someone will say something like, "What I think God is saying in this passage is," or "What God is saying to me in this passage is." Are those orthodox statements to make about Scripture? No. You know, when somebody says,
1: and sometimes it comes out in the form, I like to think that what God
0: is saying here (laughs) is... (laughs) He gives me a blank check for whatever my sinful heart is telling me. (laughs) Yeah.
1: you know it really doesn't matter twopence what you think God might be saying in this passage right The question is what is God saying in this passage and and the answer to that is exegesis mm. um, God is saying exactly what the passage means mm. right now there may be multi layers of application of that one meaning right right so. And, and this is a this is a an issue of post modernity. I mean, is there one meaning? Does the Bible have one meaning, or does it have multi meanings? Are there multiple layers of meaning? Right. Um, and and if, you know, if we believe in the validity and fixity of words, verbs, nouns, adjectives, clauses, whatever, um, then then the Bible has one. meaning Uh, and it is to be gleaned through the discipline of um, grammatical historical Mm. interpretation to use Mm. the the phrase Um, but you know we are we are in a postmodern world or a late modern world whatever you want to call it Mm. and and uh, yes a lot of bible studies You know, I was thinking this morning, in fact, in our own Bible study, is the sort of Socratic method where you ask a bunch of questions, you know, what does this mean? What does this mean? To people who have had no time whatsoever to look at this text, so this is stream of consciousness stuff, is that that the best way to teach? Certainly the Socratic method can bring people out of their shells, Mm. right, and uh, but you're going you to be very skilled if you're going to do the you have got to be Socrates if you're going to do the Socratic method right. to to make sure that at the end of the day the crazy stuff that comes out because they're half asleep and 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 they have no idea what this verse means right or what the context of this verse may mean right and, and there is a place you know we're, we're, we're sometimes frightened of the monologue mm. uh, as. You know, and, and the pejorative idea that now we're preaching, right. we're forcing this down someone's throat. Yep. Um, but no, that statement is not orthodox. Orthodox.
0: Just a quick follow-up there. Um, what do you do with text? So every text has a particular meaning, but not all texts are equally clear. So something like Ezekiel where you have wheels inside wheels and we're just not real sure exactly what's going on, though we know what the words mean. What do we what do we do with those things?
1: The perspicuity of scripture.
0: Hmm.
1: Westminster Confession. Use
0: one. the word perspicuity. This is your challenge. Use the word perspicuity this week, sometime in a sentence.
1: You know, all things in Scripture are not equally clear in themselves, nor are they equally clear to every person. Mm. So there are parts of Scripture that are clearer than others. Uh, I might suggest that the Sermon on the Mount, although I might not, uh, but I might suggest that the Sermon on the Mount is clearer Mm. than the second half of the book of Daniel. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and some people have a clearer understanding of certain parts of the Scripture than you do. Mm -hmm. But Um, You know, the principle of interpretation would be that you interpret those parts that are unclear in the light of those parts that are clear. Mm. Um, Because the doctrine of perspicuity was a very important Reformation doctrine um, that the Bible through the due use of ordinary means, so through listening to sermons and Bible studies and asking questions and commentaries and so on. But the Bible, through the due use of ordinary means, could be understandable. At least least the the main doctrines necessary for salvation could be understood by the ordinary person through the due use of ordinary means. Mm. uh, Which drove the Reformers in the direction of translating the Bible into the vulgar tongue. Hmm. Right, for which Wycliffe and Tyndale and others were burnt. Right, uh,
0: vulgar does not mean like bad words in this no, particular. Common tongue, common tongue.
1: Yes. but the word vulgar is the Westminster Confession word. Yeah. Um, I forgot the question.
0: Uh, what do we do with the the less clear texts? Um,
1: Interpret them in the light of those that are clear. Don't. Pontificate on mm. stuff that you don't understand. Um, it, it's good to have an overview of more difficult passages. I, I'm amazed how many people have enjoyed, for example, the little series we did on Revelation, mm. which was a bird's eye view. Right, we did not go into the into the bypaths. Mm. Um, this is a 36,000 feet view of the Book of Revelation. Mm. But I, I, think when you, when you do get a handle on the big picture, mm. it gives you more confidence then to get down into the weeds a little bit. Mm.
0: Thank you. Next week, we are talking about God, theology proper. Is that right? Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. Um, and just uh, a warning. Warning, that's a little oh, dire. Yeah. Whoa, oh, yeah. whoa. Um, <laughs> yeah, in two weeks, we will be taking a break because we'll have the Warfield lecture. And so we'll have, a, we'll have an episode next week and then we'll... Warfield is coming in to do a podcast. Man, that is going to be great. We should have at least seven listeners. <laughs> Thank you, Derek. And we will see you guys next week. Been listening to 1A, a counseling ministry of First Presbyterian Church. We encourage you to listen to all our episodes, which you can find on our webpage at firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. That's firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. You can also check us out on all your favorite podcasting applications, such as iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, then subscribe. Also, don't forget to tell your friends and family about us as well. If you have comments, questions, or issues you'd like us to wrestle with, contact us. You can reach us at our email address, which is 1a at firstprezcolumbia.org. That's 1a at firstprezcolumbia.org. Or via our Twitter account, which is at 1apodcast. That's at 1apodcast. Or by phone, 803-281-1795. 803-281-1795. For Dr. Thomas, I'm Josh Squires. We look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, thanks for listening and God bless.